Good evening. Hello again. We're back. You're back. It's great to be back. I was about to say it's great to see you, but I've never seen who is listening to us. I've seen their back. (laughs) You're listening to the Gift Horse Podcast, a red pill commentary on life for your ears only. And now, here's Tim and Connor. Well, right back at you, bud. (laughs) The dad jokes are starting off this episode hot. (laughs) If you're still listening, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, dad jokes. Yeah, that's going to be the... I think I, I, I can't remember who made the definition, but it was saying like dad jokes are there to be acknowledged by other dads. I rolled by kids mm-hmm. and scorned um, by women. Yeah. <laughs> scorned by women, oh. but to the satisfaction of oneself. <laughs> it is serves no purpose to anyone else's entertainment because uh-huh. the dad jokes are for dads. Yep. <laughs> but another dad's not gonna laugh at another dad joke. They'll probably just, just write down uh, some notes like he'll take notes. Maybe uh, I'll use it. Yeah, maybe the pits. delivery was a little off. Yeah. Like uh-huh. do you think dad there are some dads who just see their whole parenting lives as a stand up opportunity of just coming up with new material to get their kids like eye rolling, <laughs> just practicing mis- material on them? I thought that that's what it meant to be a dad. Okay, so there are dads out there. Yeah, then yes, I think the answer to your question is yes. The yeah. answer is yes. How about that airplane food? What's the deal What's with airline, airline peanuts? Airline peanuts. No, there wasn't a dad joke in there. It was just a really bad joke. <laughs> so a dad joke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I like that anti-joking something. You know, someone sets something up that comes at your expense. If you break it down in front of them, in front of the crowd, but you're very like stone cold about it, it kind of anti-jokes the joke. Can you give us an example? Like, oh, geez, I wish. On the spot. You got time. If uh, someone makes an inference about someone's weight, right? And they decide to kind of go all in with like, uh, you know, you're really hamming it up, John. You really uh, stole the bacon with that one. You, You pig, you know, ha ha ha, whatever, right? And then if you like, if John in the scenario, our imaginary dad, John would say, oh, you said bacon and you said pig and you said Hammy. ham. Oh, you were referring to me as a, as an animal. I as see. a swine. As a swine. And if you have a couple of people and you're stone cold about it, like they get uncomfortable, yeah, they get un- uncomfortable and then it's actually kind of funny too, because you've dad joked there. Oh, cringe is very yeah, funny. Oh yeah. Cringe is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you anti-joke the joke. Then it kills the first joke initially, and then it sets you up in like this sort of like, oh, he he won that debacle there, even so, though he anti-joked it. <laughs> so setting everybody uncomfortable in the room it's, it's for the not, sake of you setting something up that satisfied only yourself. That sounds like a dad joke, doesn't that's it? That's a dad joke. That <laughs> <laughs> we have just broken down yeah, what mm-hmm. a dad joke that's is. A, that's a very um, alpha dad joke, though. <laughs> Alpha dad joke. That's great. Gotta coin that term. <laughs> alpha dad joke. That was an alpha dad joke. <laughs> there's there's different tiers a, of quality yeah, yeah. for dad jokes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You want to hear a beta dad joke? Go ask your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. Oh my gosh. Knee slappers <laughs> all the way. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> uh moms aren't no if no offense to any mothers but moms aren't known for their jokes why is that i think nurturing 
kind of comes before. There's not a lot to joke about when you're giving birth. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I can attest to that. Uh-huh. I can definitely understand that. Yeah, my mom like, is... we, we can crack the jokes all day long because mm-hmm. at the yeah. end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> our insides have not been rearranged. Mm-hmm. That's true. There might be something to that too. Well, if anything, they're they're proven to have a thicker skin. Gattaca! Attica! I thought it was Gattaca. Attica. Same thing, right? Sure. <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's it, it's so cool to hear different generations of movie lovers. Uh-huh. Because, like, talking to my dad about movies, like, we'll talk about a movie we both grew up with, like, The Matrix. I grew Mm -hmm. up with that, and he also grew up with that as well. Mm -hmm. And talking about something we both understand. But talking to him about movies that he grew up with that are, like, from a very different, like, the golden age of Hollywood. You know, with Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm. These great classics that really paved the way for movies to be a mainstream entertainment. Mm Mm-hmm. And just talking to him about the qualities of what he loves about these old movies, they're, they're such gems, but yet they're so put aside, cast aside to be reviewed to like mainstream because they're so dated, because they're black and white, because they're they're they no longer relevant. They, relevant yeah, their relevant modern too. times is like the 40s and that just doesn't apply to us anymore. Mm-hmm. But there's stories that still possess such great value and even modern day. We want to tell period pieces. We want to talk mm-hmm. about older ages and telling stories like that. So, Or retell them in this sort of culture we have now, but giving it to the past kind of thing. Well, why is it that, I don't think it's nostalgia, but why is it that, I guess for me, maybe anyone else listening, but we crave the simplicity of the days where there wasn't an agenda with a movie. It was just a person with a vision and a story and understanding their craft to make something. Because we like beauty, we like art, we like sophistication. We well, it's like the purity before yeah. the, the you know Hollywood became so grimy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that they have the agenda to make good movies anymore. It seems that they have an agenda to make things that fit the corporate narrative. With with yeah. analytics at their fingertips, it's yeah. all a big experiment. It's all a big investment of hey, this will go well and overseas in this market. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we put this actor that's going to attract this market. It's like the movie Internals, yep. what we talked about, like how it had so many demographic holders, mm-hmm. Tolkien characters, uh-huh. uh, no names mixed in with a list, mm-hmm. and the purpose was just the it, the purpose was to for a, a diversity agenda. Mm-hmm. While I think <clears throat> that is commendable to a certain degree i still think that it is losing sight if there is a story they're supposed to tell that is besides diversity Mm -hmm. if you are using diversity inclusivity and equity as your storyline bullet points you're going to have a weak story if you have a story that has you know meaning or a concept of loss or struggle failure triumph depravity that, yeah, yeah that yeah anything that shows human virtue then you're going to have something that can be good or has the potential for greatness yeah you can't make the bullet points the meaning of the film you've got to make those a secondary to a great story i th- yeah i think that's probably <clears throat> why modern day cinema mm-hmm. uh, mainstream cinema is so void of quality mm-hmm because technically they are telling stories about flawed characters who have desires, have goals, have things to have an arc. Mm-hmm. But yet their formula is going through a bias of mm-hmm. saying, I want this character 
to be this way mm -hmm. and wanting to achieve this thing because that's not how a character would naturally progress, but that's a character I need to write about to mm -hmm. tell a message that I believe needs to be heard. Yeah, characters nowadays as well, if they fit the agenda, they're, they're robots. Very, they're, they're not real people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have no struggle. They have no trial. They have no character arc. They're it just a, a one-dimensional being. Yeah, I think like uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is like Oof. the perfect example of that, though. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that just. I mean, I, I I thought the first one was enjoyable, even though it was a little bit of a train wreck. But I mean, it, they got the story across, sort of. The second one, I mean, you know, 84 was just you took something that could have been great and you basically destroyed morality <laughs> down to a couple of key points so i don't know and then nothing happened nothing developed she didn't get better or worse she was the same i mean but if you kind of break down what she did to some people she was kind of more of a villain in her own movie you know i think everything was just set up so she could have that long drawn out speech at the end where mm -hmm. it was basically her standing up on a soapbox being given this propaganda to read uh -huh. you know saying this is what is bad and this is what is good with humanity yep. <laughs> and it was just like that was just holding on her giving her that whole dialogue it's like wow there's no subtlety <laughs> <laughs> in what they're trying to convey but it is sad how you see the people who react to it in a positive way are saying yes this is a movie that needs to be made more movies like this yep. or that movie was exceptional and i'm a true fan of the franchise so therefore this has to be good i need to fit in so therefore i need to say i like it, mm -hmm. it but that's the thing i think these people know this but if they created their own original characters and ideas and storylines and surrounded it with their message of what they want to speak on, whether most likely it's activism, mm -hmm. it would fail because there's not enough in the demographic yep. of audience of moviegoers mm -hmm. to go to movies like that. Not even at a indie film festival would you want to see a movie that's is purely for activism purposes. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're latching on to more popular franchises like superhero movies, yep. books, novels. Mm -hmm. They're latching on to these things. To rewrite them in order to put their message forward. Yeah. Because they're at a place of power where they're in these executive positions to put forward stories that are greenlit by producers mm -hmm. saying, hey, we're going to be writing a little bit more of a liberal agenda of trying to speak more on these topics. Yeah, that's an interesting point you brought up. I, I was looking at ESG ratings earlier. Uh, we sort of talked about it. What's ESG ratings? An ESG rating measures a company's exposure to long-term environmental, social, and governance risks. What? Yeah. <laughs> so every big corporation has an ESG score that determines from analytics or from, I think actually BlackRock has a big state in the ESG scoring system. If you fit the narrative of the cultural times, if you have a good ESG score, if you're environmentally friendly, if you're building electric vehicles, if you're saving the, you know, saving humanity with your diversity, inclusivity, and equity programs, then you get a high ESG score. But if you're not doing that, then you get a low ESG score and it means that people shouldn't invest in you. So this so. is a virtue rating. Yeah, it's a it's a corporate virtue That's connected signaling. to yeah. value. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that this is actually kind of rabbit hole a lot of 
big companies that push out media or push out things for people to digest or read or view or consume. You know, the to the consumer market, they push this message of DIE. And for that purpose alone, they get these higher ESG ratings. So like Ford, Ford has a pretty decent ESG rating. It's got labor unions. It has low risk because it's starting to make more electric vehicles, that kind of thing, right? But Tesla, since it doesn't have a union, you know, in, instilled in Tesla Corporation, they get a low ESG rating because apparently their workers don't have rights. But the only people who care about those ratings are the ones who are trying to excel in it. Well, I think the people that care about those ratings are stockholders or people that want to invest in the next up and coming corporation or invest in corporations that fit the narrative that's been established by these groups that do analytics on contributing factors. I would rather care about like the ratings of a Michelin star of what they observe as quality and a high rating means they are excelling uh-huh. in all of the ways of their craft yeah. rather than their character uh-huh. and their ability to be inclusive or whatever. See, I, I like that comparison, right? Because I'll, I'll go into the Michelin story a little bit, but ESG, I think, was made to fit this sort of uh, virtue signaling narrative in the corporate world today, right? These ESG ratings, but the Michelin, did you know it was actually the Michelin stars, right? Is actually created by the Michelin tire company. Well, yeah, that's how I always like it. It's weird that they do tires and rate quality of high restaurants. You know why though? They made tires for the people of France, but no one was wearing out their tires. So once everyone had a car, well, you got to send them to the next town over so they started raiding these towns, handing out brochures, flyers with the Michelin star rating for these French restaurants all across France. And I think it went into Spain and Germany even. But they started expanding outward just so that the Michelin tire could get worn out and you would have to go back to the Michelin people to get more tires. Yeah, the entire thing was just a corporate ploy to make sure you went out and used those tires. That way you would have to come back and get new ones. Isn't that, isn't that incredible, though? If I think it's if cool. If that's true. It is true. It is that true. is insane. It, it is. That is one of the best marketing ploys that the world has ever seen. And that's why you think Michelin Star is an amazing thing. And that's why people don't correlate the Michelin Star for restaurants to the Michelin Tire Company. They're like, oh, right. that's the same name. But no, those were created... One was created to bolster the other one, which I think is an incredible thing. That's, that's good marketing. That's that's <laughs> a, that's a that's a brain explosion. Isn't that cool? Mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing over there? I think one of the best examples of my exposure into how the corporate world operates, mm-hmm. I think, was back maybe the twenties era, where they made stockings, mm-hmm. and they made these stockings from a material that was just so it was so well made you couldn't rip them you couldn't stretch them i mean they were were stretchable but not you couldn't stretch them out yeah and they even promoted them by towing cars with them tying them from hitch to hitch and mm-hmm. just towing it and it wasn't it wasn't ripping yeah. the actual uh, the hose the hosiery and then they realized wait we don't have repeat customers yeah, people were not needing another pair or uh-huh. more pairs. Yeah. And so they realized we got to make a less durable material mm-hmm. so this can be something we can make much more money off of. Yep. And that blew my mind that they made something so well that it wasn't selling and it was bad for business yep. to, to, make something to provide something at top quality. Uh-huh. Just like Maytag washers back in the 60s. It now beg you, it, it begs the question... 
Are there things today that could be made so durable and well made that you would never need to buy another one again? Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. The way we deal with metal now, I mean, if you applied half the technology today to a 1960s Maytag washer that could last 50, 60 years, you know, you might have to replace a bearing or two at some point, but you could basically have a, a washer that lasts for 100 years. I wonder how different it would actually be from mm -hmm. when it was made back in the 20s or the 40s. I'm excited to actually start building up a community of people where they start telling their preferences of like, okay, play different music or uh -huh. do a better intro, you know, or where they will contribute to what we can include in the podcast. Them telling us the topics they want to hear from us. Like, what, what's your opinion on this? You know, there's people listening to this. There are. Okay. I want everything to stay the same, exactly the opposite of what you said. No matter what. No growing, no building ever. No, I'm just kidding. No, I like that idea. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm going to yes man it right after un no manning it. I got you, fam. She. 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 There was an announcement about Cyberpunk 2077, which is the best a, game of all time. It's a game that is coming from a developer that has been making something that has really been groundbreaking in the field of video games. Like No Man's Sky? No. Okay. No Man's Sky wasn't known before No Man's Sky. Okay. They were known like for just some smaller end games, but not on the triple A tier. Gotcha. So Cyberpunk 2077 is a futuristic science fiction video game. And on its release date, it was atrocious. It, it really did not work on current gen consoles. It was working great on next gen consoles, but for people who couldn't get a hold of the new consoles, which turns out is a majority of people. Mm-hmm they were given a game that was just so buggy and it was game breaking bugs where they couldn't finish the game. <laughs> and so they made an announcement recently since their release date, which was a couple years ago. I can't even remember, but they said they are far from finished with the game. And I think they're going to be doing a redemptive story a story of just, yeah, we had a very rough start, but we're not giving up. Kind of like no man's sky. And I noticed there are some examples of companies redeeming themselves after making a big faux pas. Uh -huh. For example, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. When they released a trailer, the first trailer for the movie, yeah, the people the, the design of Sonic was going for realistic. Uh -huh. And I would say all of the fans were all in agreement saying this looks awful. Sonic was in Uncanny Valley. <laughs> not ugh, not even that. It was just like that does that doesn't even look good for a hedgehog or uh -huh. for an animated character, whatever. It was terrifying. And they heard that. The company actually heard all of the complaints they, from the fans. They looked at the YouTube comments. <laughs> well, everywhere. Twitter, yeah. uh, Twitch. I mean, all these places where people are talking about it and sharing it, doing videos and stuff about it. And they, they did something that I don't think I've ever heard of a company doing. They actually changed it. Mm -hmm. They extended the time of when it was going to be in theaters uh -huh. just so they can get the design right, which makes me wonder okay so what were they doing that who approved it uh -huh. how did it get so far where this was the final product who was in charge of design saying yes this is a good version of the character that we are going to have in the final product but with all that aside someone listened and they responded to the comments of the fans and they mm -hmm. changed it and made it right i think any any software de development kind of cycle has iterations where there becomes this like overinflated sense of success right it's you see a design for something you see how something's structured how something's put together and everyone's like okay well that's kind of the best we've done that's the best way it 
it goes. This kind of happens in how it gets pulled in from different groups. You know, in movie production, I assume you have the animators, you've got the riggers, you've got the three-dimensional artists, you've got the explosion. Oh, you uh, got so many departments people, of artists. Right? Yeah, yeah, and everyone's kind of coming together and... At some point, you know, just kind of got lost in the weeds. Sonic looks like... Um, Roadkill. Yeah, a hedgehog skeleton face. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I... <laughs> I don't think it's their fault. I, I think they were trying to do the best they could, but... Well, yeah, it's not the people who actually did the legwork. It was the yeah. people in charge who went through designs of what Sonic would look like, because uh-huh. obviously they must have had several people come up with designs. Yep. And this is the one that somebody gave a green light. This is where you, we can start animating. Mm-hmm. This design is what we've decided as a department and i'm sure a lot of those people weren't going to question that because they were probably intimidated or afraid of losing their jobs by saying creatively i have critiques Mm -hmm. because how can anyone be involved in a franchise movie like that and not be a fan but make a decision that goes against fans yeah that's kind of hard to do i mean it's easy to do for people who don't you do not care like Mm -hmm. the wheel of time if i was in charge of the the amazon series the wheel of time it's based on the novel i don't know anything about the story but if i was an executive producer or whatever and a lot of people were coming forward like there's a lot of uh controversy in our groups about this character's portrayal Mm -hmm. it's between this one this one this one i'll be just like eeny meeny miny mo let's move on we have a deadline just go with it i don't care about the integrity of the character we have so many other things we got to push through Mm -hmm. I can understand that, yeah. not having a, a, a dog in the race. Mm-hmm. But that dog in the race ultimately leads to the success of that franchise, though, you know? And I think... Well, they don't know that. Well, well They think I, it's just I, a minor detail. Yeah. They're just trying to create a formula of people like these books, people like this quality, just put it together, get it married, mm-hmm. and then just push it out. I don't know. Like Game of Thrones, it'll be the next Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's what they they had hoped. Yeah, everyone's going to jump in on the, the Game of Thrones bandwagon. Even though that ended atrociously. Yeah. <laughs> like, mean, learn from that. Don't no, make more examples. No, it was the super best. <laughs> there was, they're advertising Stranger Things Season 4 as the Game of Thrones series you no. know, like finale or whatever. No. It it's was, like, why? Stranger, no. no. Stranger Things died in Season 2. Let's let's be real. Yeah, it was like too much of a okay thing. Yep. Uh-huh. Like, but, oh, okay, this is great. Uh-huh. Now everyone else is doing it. Oh, uh-huh. okay, uh-huh. no more. Uh-huh. We're done. <laughs> season 5. No, please. The, the dark thing is, is dark and big and it's scary and it does jump scares in, in the town or something. I don't, I don't know. If it, you know, there's a Russian base underground or something. I don't know. It's crazy. And it just takes me back to the series Lost. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was the first series that really broke the mold of traditional storytelling. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell that. Oh, it's because no one knew the story. No one knew the story. <laughs> no one knew how this was going to end. They just uh-huh. kept going. And this happens. Oh, and then. Oh, no, but what oh, if no. this happens? Uh, oh, what if this was on the island all along? Mm-hmm. Okay, what if this character sacrifices themselves, but they're all still back on the island? But they go back to the. Like, it's just. They're just going around in circles. And then by the end of the series, seeing how they wrap it up, you start you to realize, care. wow, they really didn't care where they were going because they didn't know. Uh-huh. And then it really turns you off to, like, I'm no longer a fan. They had me up to up until this point. Yep. And. I'm never going to rewatch this because I know where it ends. Mm -hmm. That's kind of proving like, okay, learn from these series where they started off strong, but they started off aimless. There was a great sense of mystery, but that mystery was cleverly concealed as planned, you know. Obsolescence. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's funny. I think it's also funny when you're basing a series off a book Mm -hmm. where it's written out for you. 
that's like okay i can follow the story mm-hmm. but or you if, like you like look at a page and you're like oh, i saw a name and then you're like okay this character is gonna be this way right <laughs> or it's like you know what Th- this character is a little bit too boring or it's a little bit too mainstream we've seen this been there done that let's add a little flair let's mm-hmm. make them wacky let's make them female dwarves without beards i'm i'm shocked that's a whole nother thing uh-huh. <laughs> we can't even go down mm-hmm. that rabbit hole mm-hmm. I'd like a job someday, future employers. Thank you. Hello. If you had to work for a company that you hate currently, that uh-huh. you have a personal opinion on, like, I just do not care for this company, mm-hmm. but they offered you the amount of money that you're looking for currently mm-hmm. for a career yeah. where you could work the dream job. Sure. What company would you hate that you would still agree to like, hey, they paid me. I'd still work for them. It would, it would depend on so many factors. I mean, can I work my standard 40 hour week? You know, what's yep. my... I, I, I you, work, but you represent the company. Off? Do I work my butt off? No, it's it's hours? actually pretty leisurely. leisurely. You're at home. You work from your computer. You only got to do like maybe two to four hours a day. Uh-huh. You got your weekends free, uh-huh. but during those hours of working, uh-huh. you do have to represent the company to the fullest of your ability. I I, I can't say the one employer because it's a pretty big employer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed my time in the military, but but yeah, I don't think I go back to the military. I mean, I, I would if I was if I was making more than six figures. I think although if I was deployed, I'd have to go way way above and beyond that. If I had to do military where I had to you know participate in that kind of eh, probably six figures, yeah. Just a cool six figures, which kind of breeze through it. So, which branch of the military would you? Okay. Oh, I mean, if I have to hate one the most, I'd probably still the Navy. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the only one I was in. So, <laughs> nah. I, I mean, I, I might even if I had to go back in, I'd probably pick the Air Force, though. They got some some nice places. So it's interesting how the, the different branches of military they really dog on each other a lot, mm-hmm. trying to say which ones are a joke, which ones are <clears throat> to be taken seriously, which ones are overrated. Yep. I mean, I did not realize how aggressive that community is of how they represent each other. Do you think that's a healthy competition or is that something that's just petty and there's there, sh- there should be no room for that in the military? Because we're all representing, you know, defending our country. It's both. Yeah. Pros I mean, and cons. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, so you'll have examples, right, where Navy and Army corpsman, which is like a field medic or, you know, field medic to a nurse. That, that's kind of what a corpsman is in the military. You'll have these combat corpsmen that are going to school in the same place in San Antonio, Texas, and they'll break out in, you know, fist fights with each other. Army versus Navy kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That was like four, four or five years ago, something something like that. Something really recent, you know? But at the end of the day, though, you know, someone insults another military member and you see it, you'll stand up for your, for your guy, no matter if he's a Coast Guard, you know? If he's a guardian of the coast, you'll stand up for him, you know? <laughs> Even though he's not technically a branch of the military, but, you know... <laughs> So is the Coast Guard like police? No, they're a, they're a, a part of the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Homeland Security absorbed them in 2001, and they kind of fell under their jurisdiction rather than the Department of Defense. Interesting. No. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting, because I've always thought of the Coast Guard as an extension of the military. It was at one point. It was uh, the first fleet was considered the Coast Guard. It Why the change? Money. Money, politics, yeah, people that got involved. Uh, Coast Guard was kind of more localized. Uh, it has a lot of uh, facilities that FBI uses, uh, kind of uh, cop, federal cops around the, around the country will use uh, Coast Guard bases now. Mm. 
So yeah, Coast Guard got a little bit more funding than the Navy. Navy also has to deal with their, their um, I, I can't use any of the words to describe the Marines that I need to. They're severely underprivileged child, the Marine Corps. So, <laughs> but the Marines will do anything, you know, they'll, they'll sleep in condemned buildings and they'll, they'll run into combat before the army will. So, so they have the thickest skin. If you averaged all branches together, I would say yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> tip of the spear. Tip, tip of the spear. Yeah. Really short spear, but you know, shots fired, shots, <laughs> shots taken, and shots fired. <laughs> My donkey rides in navy equipment as the acronym for Marines. My, can I say the word? We get it. Uh, okay, I'm just making sure. I just kind of wanted to. Well, I didn't have to spell it out. My, From one dad to another, uh, I, think, yeah, okay, I think we okay, got okay, it. Yeah. I think we got that. Our audience is probably above average in, in intellectual capacity. Hopefully. <laughs> I've been using two to three syllable words for a while. I'm impressed too. <laughs> impressed was three. Ooh, uh, that is impressive. Thank you. That was three as well. <laughs> Excellent talk. <laughs> what about you? What job do you hate that you wouldn't work for? Tell me about it. That I would work for? That you would work for for X amount of money. What would it have to be? Oh, man. Yeah, it kind of breaks down to your response of there's a lot of factors. You know, is it my dream job of, of working in a craft that I enjoy or is it a job where I don't have to do much? Or All right, let's say you have to work 50 hours a week. Let's up it a little bit. But it's doing and something you enjoy. Sure. Hopefully. <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess you can enjoy it. Uh, but it's really hard work. Now, how much do you have to make in order for that to mean it? Mean to something? Mean it? Yeah. 10 hours a day, five days a week, Tim. What do you got? What do you got in you? I mean, I'll do whatever it takes to, to make the necessary amount to live off of. That sounded like a pat on the back, like to yourself. You're like, good job, Tim. I do whatever it takes. No, I'm, well, just, no. I'm just giving you crap. I'm giving you crap. I do. Of course, I would do whatever it took to provide for I, my well, family. I guess my reasoning oh, is that. Okay. Well, I'm a bad person now over here. No. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, six figures. Give me the money. <laughs> You you asked me, okay? I know, I, I know. I'm just being silly. I'm just, <laughs> just, be, just being silly. I guess I don't equate like I need to be paid enough to do something like that. I despise. Uh-huh. What's the least you would work for? That's always a cool question. I, I like that one. The least yeah. depends on w- w- what it's for. Like, am I no. gaining experience? Am I uh, learning it a could new be skill? Anything, anything. Now, with this one, like, what is the lowest you will work for in your dream job? And how much money? Pro bono? Uh, well, uh, you'd work for free? Yeah, I'd work for free if it was an, a, like a project okay. I believed in that I know I could contribute with. Now you've got to work 40 hours a week doing pro bono work. Well, then I, mean, I can't do that. Okay, well, I mean, now, not, what, now what does it cost you? What's it's the not cost even about what analysis? I want. It's mm-hmm. about I can't do that. Yeah, uh-huh. okay. So, so then how much would it would you need it to be if you had to work for the best possible thing? Could you work for $10 an hour? Could you work for 7 I think it would have to be at least 20. 20, 20 bucks an hour? Yeah. Okay. I was actually thinking that too. I think to make ends meet and to have something that I can do for 40 hours a week that I enjoy, I, I think actually 20 was kind of my my bare min. Because I think you have to also incorporate your value, mm-hmm. like your skill set, the years of, of what you've learned and acquired. You're not just some person who has no idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You've, you've practiced yeah. on this skill. Mm-hmm. So I think that there needs to be a say for that as well. True, 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 true. Inflation is at a record high again. No, no, it's not. It's a good thing, Tim. Inflation's good. S- so says are high gas prices. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. That's a good thing. Printing more money. 
It's a good thing. Oh, that's a good thing. Solves all the problems because guess what? We're just going to give you more paper. People are lining up for bread. And we get to tell you how much the paper's worth. And this paper is worth exactly what it says it is. So go and buy with it. We'll just make more. Yeah, I think the value, economy. Yeah, the value of the dollar is uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, we we could talk about that another time for sure. But uh, like inflation, like I uh-huh. breaking it down because honestly, I don't know that much about inflation apart from what I just described. Yep. About knowing that as if you just print more money when you can't hold that value in, in the value of like our treasury, uh-huh. then you're you're losing the value of the economy. Uh-huh. So I think we finally got into some red pill commentary. Yeah, for we've sure. been advertising. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. I think it. we've been trying to hold back. Yeah. So I found something interesting on TikTok. This is like more of a marketing interest. Is it red pilling? No. Oh. Should it be? Should yeah. Okay, then never mind. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. Tell me. I want to know now. So China's getting all this information. Oh, that's definitely red pill. Okay. There it is. Mm-hmm. How's that? Yeah, that's great. It? Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was someone who made a mention that if TikTok you post. If you made a post, I'm listening. I have to start from. I have to no, start no, no, the no, sentence no. over because I can't edit if you're interrupting it. No, but but it's good though. I gotta I gotta TikTok is evil. Just every once in a while, <laughs> you made this. You created this monster. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I just gave him a mic <laughs> and yeah. an audience. Of audience, our audience is so huge. So, hey, it's, every everything starts at zero. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Oh no, but go on. Let's talk about it. China's evil. All right. Mm-hmm. Next, there was someone on TikTok who said that. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> you make it so difficult. I know, but that's the fun point, though. I know. Part for you. Uh-huh. A little bit, yeah. Oh, for I me, I know. Song. I have to try and edit it. Uh-huh. There was somebody on TikTok who said the way you can market on TikTok for its algorithm, if you want to get to a very specific hashtag, you put those hashtags, yep. but it's not going to go anywhere else outside of those hashtags. Okay. So you're actually limiting yourself. If you want to your videos to go to a specific crowd, like it's the person who's doing movie reviews and you want it to go to, to movie lovers, then yeah, you want to use hashtags. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting out a video that just has some comedy in it, but you want it to go out to everybody, you don't put any hashtags because what that does with the algorithm is that it's telling TikTok is, is finding this video with no hashtags, no identity. Yep. They can't read the content. Mm-hmm. So they're like, well, I guess we got to dip this in in every demographic to oh, see, okay. you know, collectively if it gets a response from anything. Yeah, yeah. So what I learned from that is that, okay, let me do a test. Let me do one with the specific hashtags, see mm-hmm. how that does. And then I'm going to post another one with no hashtags. Mm-hmm. And the one without hashtags, it got like 500 views in like a couple hours. Really? And then the wow. next day, it got to 1,800 and like 200 likes. Wow. And actual people commenting on it. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is bizarre. Because mm-hmm. it was just me reacting to some funny videos trying not to laugh. It was a try uh-huh. not to laugh challenge. Oh my gosh. And, and I've done several of those. And each of them. The pinnacle of media. Each of them have higher views. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you just want to go. You want to go right now. I don't know. I'm just uh, kind of in the vibe. <laughs> we are now taking applications for new hosts. <laughs> Did you turn my mic off? Did you turn my mic off? Get, get, get off of me. Get, get All right. Uh, I'm back. I'm back. Hello. There's a little audio technical difficulty for a split second there. <laughs> How long do you want to be doing this until there's gray in your beard? 
Oh, I was going to say 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have for today's episode of the Gift Horse Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to stay tuned for more episodes to come.